Well, good morning. I, uh, again, our, our clicker has disappeared, so Alex in the back, tech team, hooray, is going to be um, reading my mind and trying to pick up subtle cues of my motion and change slides at the appropriate time. Um, you know, they, they say good help is hard to find, and whoever they are, they are right. Good help is really hard to find. This church, um, before COVID, used to get court-appointed community service people who had, you know, they shoplifted or they, they've done something wrong and they have to go perform some community service hours and they could come here and they could work for the church. And I quickly learned um, that there is a, a wide variety of people who can show up, but the top 50% actually show up. Like half of them just wouldn't even come on the day that we said, yeah, you can come on this day and, and work off some hours. But one, there was this one special instance where I felt like we were just blessed immensely. There was these two young Romanian guys who had, um, I think, some sort of automobile infraction, like DUI or speeding, something. And they had like 40 to 80 hours of community service, and these kids could work. And they showed up, and I put them with a guy named Kevin, who was volunteering at their church at the time, and Kevin knew how to work and run a crew. And those three guys did more work around this church building than like any other previous 40-hour period combined. Like over half the church got painted, a bunch of stuff was thrown away. It was thrilling just to show up and realize like, huh, I can just trust them to do what needs done the way that it's supposed to get done. I don't have to monitor them. I don't have to worry about them like stealing things or, or cursing people out. Like it just, oh, it's just a relief because good help is really hard to find. But of course, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, like who, what kind of help does God want? Like who does God want to serve him? We're going to be talking about that this morning because we're going to be talking about following Jesus um, by following him faithfully. And we might have some formatting issues this morning. But faithfulness, if you grew up in the church, you know about this. And if you are not a regular Jesus person, this word is a little bit weird because most of the time we don't use it. But it can also mean trustworthy or, or trusting. Like to be faithful, to be dependable. And, you know, you say you're going to do it and I can just take that to the bank and I don't need to worry about it because you're going to get it done. All right. So that's what we're talking about. And as we're looking at, uh, you know, themes, just as a reminder of Luke and Acts, um, the main idea of these two books is that the Father has sent his promised Messiah, Jesus. So God the Father sent Jesus into the world to save all who follow him and to empower them supernaturally with the Holy Spirit so that they can live like him. So this is the end goal, guys, that we would look like Jesus together. And we cannot do that without God's supernatural work in our lives and in our hearts to change us to be the kind of people that we are always meant to be. And the way that that comes about is by us choosing to trust and follow Jesus, who God sent to save the world. So that's, that's what these books are all about. And as we've been going, we've been uh, going through different sections. So Luke kind of breaks down like a quest story. Uh, the first four chapters, Jesus has been sent into the world by the Father to save it. And then he assembles this ragtag crew of disciples and calls them to follow after him. And in chapter 9, the disciples finally figure out who Jesus is. Like, you are the, the king, the Messiah, the Christ. These words all mean roughly the same thing. Uh, but even though we know who you are, Jesus, we don't yet understand what that means for you to be that person. And so over the next 
9 chapters, 10 through 19, Jesus and his disciples, they're journeying towards Jerusalem, the capital city in Israel. And Jesus is explaining to them what it means to follow after him. And he's being uh, opposed by Pharisees and the moral religious rulers of the day who don't like Jesus. Um, And so there's just a lot of varied teaching. So as we're looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus faithfully, I just went through the book of Luke and I looked at instances of faith, of trust, belief. I looked at the opposite, like unbelief, lack of faith, little faith, and Turns out that comes up pretty often. So we're going to summarize some, and we're going to look at some others. Um, In the first nine chapters, what you see is you see Jesus commending people for believing that he has authority to heal, to save, to cast out demons, to forgive sins. We find out Jesus has authority over nature, like wind, waves, and weather. Like this random dude in the boat was asleep. He got up, and he told the storm, hey, be quiet. And then it did. Okay, who is this guy? And Jesus is like, why do, you, why do you have so little faith? Don't you know who I am? When you get to chapter 12, I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, one of the things that Jesus tells his disciples is to have faith in God. Have faith that God loves you and that he's going to take care of you. Like, just look outside. It's a beautiful day. Look at the flowers. Aren't they pretty? Those flowers, they don't read fashion magazines and they don't work really hard to get, you know, to to sew their clothes together. They're just beautiful because we have a loving, generous God who just makes weeds look so darn pretty. And look at the birds. You know, they're not pulling nine to five. They don't work split shifts for Amazon and Uber. Uh, They just go out every morning expecting to find food because God takes care of even birds. Don't you understand? You guys are so much more valuable than that. We trust that God is going to take care of you so just anxiety levels can go down and you guys can be generous with your money, with your stuff, with your time, because God loves you and he's going to take care of you. Will you trust him in that? Will you have faith in him? But this morning, we're going to look at some servant stories. So several times throughout 10 through 19, Jesus has these parables of workers, and he's going to paint various pictures of what faithfulness, of what trust, trusting in Jesus and trustworthiness looks like. So here's my thing. Um, I'm going to go through five different ones because they're all incredible. If one of them is just like, oh, I needed to hear that this morning, then you have my full permission to tune out from then on. <laughs> like you sit with, with that story and you reflect on this because we're just going to go quick. Jesus has a lot to say and neither you nor I can hold on to everything that's going to be said. So the moment you're like that, just hold on to that and, and forget about the rest. So here we go. So chapter 12, this is right after Jesus says, hey, Uh, You know, God loves you. He delights to give you the kingdom. Trust him. Jesus says this. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Um, Ancient way of saying, like, keep your phone charged or fresh batteries in your flashlight. Like, you just got to be ready at all times as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast late at night. And then you will be ready to open the, the door and let him in the moment that he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will sit them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. It'll be good. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. And so you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. 
And Peter asked, well, Lord, is that illustration just for us, like the 12 or the 72, or is it, is it for everyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Like, just take care of things. Take care of people. And if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant thinks, ah, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins to beat the other servants, partying and getting drunk, then the master is going to return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. It's like, ooh. See, the servant who knows what the master wants and isn't prepared and doesn't carry it out, carry out those instructions, he will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. When someone has been given has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So again, the point, following Jesus faithfully means being ready for his coming. It means taking what he's given us and doing the things that he's told us to do. So that whenever he comes, whenever like the supervisor shows back up, we're just doing our job the way that it should be done. And there will be a reward. And so he says that those who are faithful will be rewarded with even greater responsibility, with riches, uh, you know, the master will say, hey, you guys have been working hard. You take it easy right now. I'm going to make you a snack. Uh, and those who aren't ready will be judged harshly. All right? Next story. Chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. Oh, this one's about money. This is fun. He said, there was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. Now, now one day a report came to the manager that his, uh, came to the owner that his manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what is this that I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Now, the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss is going to fire me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches so manual labor's out. I'm too proud to beg. Oh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. And so he invited each person who owed money to his employer in to come and discuss the situation. And he asked the first one, hey, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, oh, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. And so the manager told him, we'll take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. We'll give you an instant 50% discount. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked to the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Uh, bushels, gallons of olive oil, like all you need to know is like we're talking like well over a year's wages. So this amount of money is like in excess of $50,000 plus. <laughs> and they just got like an instant 50% discount. Like, yes. Well, the rich man, he's <laughs> like, he had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. That was well done. And, and it's true. It's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. So here's the lesson Jesus just tells us. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Now those last two words are really important because earlier Jesus had taught that when you, you know, if you're going to hold a banquet, don't invite your friends and rich people who might invite you back. 
Instead, invite the poor, the lame, the blind, people who cannot repay you, and you will have an eternal reward in heaven. So, he says, look, if you're going to be faithful in little things, you're going to be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be entrusted with things of your own? So again, the lesson Jesus says is faithfully following Jesus means leveraging our money and resources in service to God for the good of others. These things that we've been given aren't really ours. We only have them for a short period of time while we're on earth, and they've been entrusted to us to leverage for relationship with other people. All right, next story. Now Jesus is telling his disciples. He says, look, if a brother sins, rebuke that person. And if there's repentance, forgive. So you have a responsibility. If someone has sinned against you, you have to go tell them what they've done wrong. All right, that's the first hard step. And then, if they repent, you have to forgive them. That's the second one. And even if that person wrongs you seven times in a single day, and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. And the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So we learned that faithfully following Jesus means sharing responsibility for one another spiritually. Like we are part of a family, we're part of the same team. Like, hey, that's not okay. And hey, the moment you repent, you will be forgiven. So, you know, exhortation and, and rebuke and forgiveness, confession of sins and repentance, like these things are just normal processes or should be normal processes within the church family. We are responsible for one another's well-being before God. But Jesus continues, because the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. And he responds, look, guys, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, like if you had faith as small as a single piece of ground coffee, you could say to this mulberry tree, like, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. You guys need more, like, come on, guys, it only takes, like, that much. And you can say to this tree, like, jump into the lake, and it would. But he immediately follows it with this story. He says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, oh, come in and eat with me? No. He says, well, prepare my meal. Put on an apron and serve me while I eat, and then you can eat later. And does the master thank the, the, thank the servant for doing what he's told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have simply done our duty. I think the reason that these are, are parallel to each other is that this is a point. Faithfully following Jesus means doing what we're told and trusting that God will do extraordinary things through our little faith. Like, we need more faith, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, guys, it only takes this much. You just need to act on it. You need to take your trust in God and just do what he said and then watch because God is going to do something crazy like uprooting a tree and chucking it into a lake. But should that happen, don't think that you're something special. You are, an, you are a servant who has simply done what you've been told to do. Jesus tells another story. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story about how they should always pray and never give up. Okay, next story. Um, no, he, this is what he says about it, but that was the point. He says, there's a judge in a certain city 
who said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came, in, came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. She keeps nagging me. Get her out of here. And so the Lord said, look, guys, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will, how many will he find on earth who have faith? We learn that faithfully following Jesus means we keep going to him for justice and salvation and security. We're not looking elsewhere. We're not giving up hope that God is just not acting, that he can't be trusted. We go to him again and again and again in expectant hope that soon he will give justice because he loves us, because he wants to take care of us. And then one last story. Now the crowd was listening to everything that Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Now before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and he divided among them 10 pounds of silver saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. This is a huge amount of money. But his people hated him. <laughs> they sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. Well, after he was crowned king, he returned, and he called on the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. And the first servant reported, Master, I invested your money, and I made 10 times the original amount. Like We 10 x this year. <laughs> well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with a little. I'm entrusting to you uh, with a little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. Hooah! All right, and the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and I made five times the original amount. Well done! The king said, you will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money, and he said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with. You take what isn't yours and you harvest crops that you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words will condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops that I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then turning to the other standing nearby, he, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yeah, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. So all these servants, like Jesus is, is coming back. And faithfully following Jesus means working and risking as we wait for his return. I know the word is investing. And I know to some of you guys, investing means a lot because you're good at it. I'm not. So I use the word risking. 
because that's what investment is. You, you put something at risk, at jeopardy, in the hopes of actually reaping a reward. It is a, it's a calculated bet, so to speak. And you might fail. And the point of the story is, it's not your money. So risk failing with it in hopes that it will grow because the, the worst thing that you can do is be afraid and sit on it and do nothing. So, like all of these stories, again, I don't, so this would be the part to like start tuning back in, but if there's one of these stories that just like sit, sinks in your heart, then pay attention to that. But it's like Jesus has this help wanted sign out. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of jobs in his kingdom out there, and he's looking for faithful, faithful followers, or he's looking for people who will trust him and who will be trustworthy. So, you know, to use the employment metaphor, there's two different kinds, there's two different stages. So one are people who are applying for a job for the first time, and the others are people who have the job and are now being evaluated for how they're doing it. So let's look at faith hyphen full, people full of faith followers, people who are going to trust Jesus. So faithful followers trust that God loves us, that Jesus saves us, that Jesus has authority. These are people who, who come to God understanding that, you know what, God loves us and he wants to save us and at infinite cost to himself, he has made salvation through Jesus Christ completely free to you, completely free to me. It's kind of like an employer saying, you, I, you don't need to have any previous experience. You don't need to have any references you don't need, like, you don't even really need to have much mental acuity. I just need you here. Like, just come, and I will take care of everything. And by the time I'm done with you, you will look like Jesus, because I love you. But of course, it's far more than an employment relationship. It's a family. It's a place to, to belong, to experience redemption and forgiveness, meaning and purpose in life. Like, will you go to God and let him just totally redefine reality for you, because he wants to, because he gave Jesus to save us. And so the call here is to come to Jesus, to put your trust in him. And then, of course, for the rest of us who have trusted him for our salvation, trust that Jesus is big enough to handle Portland riots. He's big enough to handle COVID. He's big enough to handle, you know, your frustrations with the medical and mental health, you know, organizations that we have to deal with every day that Jesus is big enough to handle our relationships that seem like they're fracturing all around us, and he's big enough to handle our own sin in the ways that we as people just fail to, to be who we wish we would be if we would make those choices that we know we ought to make and we don't. Like, Jesus saves us. Will we trust in him? Will we be full of faith? Will we be faithful? Now, that's the first part. Second part, for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, Jesus is looking for faithful followers, dependable people, people who are trustworthy. And the first thing that faithful followers of Jesus need to be is ready for his return. Like your supervisor is going to show up, you know, dad is coming home, uh, for those of you, or mom, depending, like whoever enforces the chore thing in your household growing up, like they're coming home, and at some point, you'll be called to account. Like, what have you done? Where are things at? 
Have you done good? Have you done bad? And, and the point is not to have all the work done. The point is not to like pull our hair out because we're so far behind. The point is just to be doing our work. And when he shows up, we are doing the things that we should be doing. As someone told me this week, if the world is ending tomorrow, plant a tree today because our work matters and the things that we do matter. He just wants, like, and of course, in the stories, we learn what you're doing, leverage your resources to serve and love other people. Give, give God glory. Treat people fairly. Serve them with your gifts. Like you have been entrusted with unique and special gifts from God for the good of other people. And so use them to love others within and without the church. Just love everybody because that's what these things are for. You know, and people who come to mind when I, when I think of, like, all right, who's a good example of faith this morning? I'm like, he's not here, but Dick Cole, um, you know, the blind guy who, who showed up and just shared a, a praise. Like, this guy has been coming to this church for like 30 years. He, you know, he struggles to see, he struggles to hear, and he struggles because he's always looking for ways that he can serve you guys in whatever capacity he can. <laughs> Dick's awesome. And he'll be rewarded one day because he... he loves God, and he tries to love you. I mean, there's other examples I could point to. Of course, the, the opposite is true. If we are not loving people, if we forget why we're here, if we begin to use what God has given us for our own benefit and begin to mistreat others, the stories go things like he will come and cut that person into pieces and number them with those who have no faith in Jesus. He will punish them severely. He will take what they have and give it to other people and that's a sobering reality. This week I was talking to a friend about Ravi Zacharias, a probably the most recent big-name Christian failure in the media. If you're not familiar with Ravi, he is a, a Christian apologist. He went around and had an international ministry telling people that, you know, Jesus was a real historical person who lived a real life, who was crucified and who actually, you know, rose from the dead, that believing to, in God is not checking your brain at the door, but it makes intellectual sense that there's, there's reasons for being a Christian. And all the while he's doing this ministry, he is abusing women in the background and living a counterfeit life as a Christian leader. And on the day of his funeral, as people are celebrating his life, the stories begin to come out of what he had done. And after an investigation, even Christianity Today is like, yeah, actually it's true. It's really true. And it's really sad. And there's a lot of people who are hurt, a lot of people who are broken, a lot of people who are angry. Jesus' name and the, the name of the church has just once again been drugged through the mug because of an unfaithful servant. And it sucks. And some of you guys are dealing with hurt and, and baggage. And, and honestly, you know, the real people who are most hurt aren't here this morning and they're not listening because of unfaithful servants. And Jesus cares about it. And one day he's going to show up and justice will be done and all the wrongs will be set right. And I don't know what that means for Ravi, but Jesus cares about what he did. I'm going to leave it to him. He's coming back. Will we be ready? Of course, we also learn faithful followers of Jesus mean that we keep praying for justice, that we don't stop, that, that when we look at, you know, the riots of last summer, and I know they're 
kind of still going on today. <laughs> I'm not sure why. But like the cry is for justice. We want to see the world made right again, and we understand that human efforts consistently fail over and over and over again. Like we long for justice, and we realize like we have a hard time seeing it, and we ourselves are part of the problem. And the reality is one day God is going to come and set the world right. And he, because of what Jesus has done, he's doing it in a way that, that justice will be served and, and we will be saved. Because most of us, perhaps all of us, have fallen on both sides of the spectrum of those who have been abused and those who have been the abusers on that spectrum. And because of what Jesus did, did the justice of God can be fully served. Um, and the price for justice was paid by Jesus, and it doesn't have to be paid by us, so that we can be saved and be reconciled to God and to one another and forgiven. Like, it's an amazing message. Let's keep praying for justice. Let's not give up. Let's not grow discouraged. Just keep hounding God on this. He's told us to keep praying, keep asking, and expecting. He's bringing justice. And then, of course, lastly, and this is the one that God has been just like, you know, shaking me with over and over again, is that will we trust Jesus enough to obey by being willing to fail as we invest the resources, for his resources for the good of others? Like, will we trust him enough to obey? Jesus, I need more faith. <laughs> and the reality is, no, I don't. <laughs> because it only takes this much. And that is not to try to say that all of my faith distilled down isn't even that big. What it says is, you just need to act on that. Just like you, you trust a ladder, you know, when I need to change out one of these light bulbs, I just trust this ladder is not going to give out on me, and I climb up it and I change the light bulb. We need to trust God enough to actually do what he's told us to do, and then just watch what he is going to do through us. Because he likes to. He likes to use really not competent people for work. He gets a kick out of it. Just read the Bible. <laughs> like, there's, there's no super qualified people in the scripture, just a bunch of mess-ups and screw-ups that God does great things through. Like, that's, it's an amazing story. And I've realized, like, for me, the implications uh, of these stories is we have been preaching through Luke, and I've been just like, oh, God, what are we going to do? I've realized that I need to be willing to risk failing, trying to obey Jesus. You know, and there's so many different commands, like, Grow people in the faith, disciple people, like train people so that they can go and train others to bring the message of Jesus to bear. I don't know how to do that, God. I guess I'm going to give up on trying to get competent first, and we're going to go for this thing, whether it works or not. And it didn't really work at first. So we're in like, you know, edition like 2.0, 3.0, something. But eventually, my hope is, we'll actually learn how to do this because I'm going to keep trying it. Same thing with like sharing about Jesus with others. I have been scared most of my life, and I got to a point where I finally said, I'm just too sick and tired of not obeying Jesus here. So I've been praying that God give me a heart for people who are lost, give me opportunities to speak about Jesus, and, and I want to see you save people. We haven't yet, I have, I've not yet seen that third one happen. <laughs> like, I've shared Jesus now with a number of people, and no one has gotten saved. But God is continuing to do work in my life and the, the cool one was just the other day, uh, you know, one of our neighbors, uh, a couple, the woman was taken away in an ambulance to the hospital with some medical issues that were really serious. And I talked to the guy afterwards. I'm like, are, are you okay? Like, can we bring you a meal? Do you need anything? And he's like, no, we're good. Actually, you could pray for me, though. Yeah, yeah, let me pray for you. Awesome. Very cool. I, again, like, I share these stories because I, I wish I was there. I wish I could say, you know, 
follow me because I have it figured out. I don't. So right now it's, guys, let me just share you about the work that God's doing in my life and invite you to trust him enough to obey. And maybe we can learn together to do what Jesus has told us to do. In light of that, for Family of Grace, things that we're looking at is when we have you know, evangelism month coming up in the month of June. We want to actually try something. We actually want to obey Jesus, whether it fails or not, because like people who know money, you know that not every venture is going to succeed. So you just keep investing and keep trying, and some of them are going to take off. And so at Family of Grace, you know, we don't want to waste the resources of the kingdom. We don't want to be wasteful with our money. We don't want to do dumb things. And yet we're, we're starting to change our, our minds as leaders to say, let, it, let our default be, let's risk it in hopes that growth happens, in hopes that people hear the word of Jesus, in hopes that people are ministered in his name, rather than being afraid that we're going to fail and just, you know, waste our money. So these are, this is a very present pertinent, you know, passage, as I've said before, like, couldn't someone else have preached on this? But no, like, I need to hear this. I'm assuming, because it's in the scripture, that you guys need to hear this. Jesus is looking for faithful, faithful followers. He's looking for people who will trust him and then be trustworthy with what he has given us to do. And of course, let me just end with this reminder, guys, God loves you. He delights to give us the kingdom. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We have been invited to it, called to it, equipped for it. So the goal is that we can encounter Jesus, grow up in him, be equipped for minister, and go and share this good news with others because Jesus loved us and he gave himself for us. So let us be faithful, faithful followers this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Father, holy and good God, Lord, will you just change us? Lord, I, I don't know what you need to do. Maybe some of us need to come and put our faith in Jesus this morning. I pray, pray that your spirit would be at work in their hearts and that they would, that they would just choose that today would be the day that they are going to follow Jesus, confess him as their Lord, get baptized, and, and just join the work. Lord, and, and for those who do trust in Jesus, Lord, help us to not look anywhere else for our security or our salvation, not trust in our riches which fail, not trust in our relationships which can leave us, not trust in our health, which can go in a moment's notice. Lord, let us trust in your Son, and then let us be trustworthy. Let, it, let us be ready for your return, expectant that you are bringing justice to this world, and, and Lord, willing to obey you in all that you've commanded us to do. And now, Father, I pray for this church, one that we'd respond with, with joy and worship at what you've done in our lives, that we would take responsibility for one another's health and well-being, that we would intentionally try to equip one another to be more like Jesus even today. For your glory, Lord, for the good of the world, and for our delight and joy. May the love of Christ compel us today to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.